You are listening to highlights of an episode of The Creative Process. To listen to the full interview and learn more about The Creative Process projects, please visit www.creativeprocess.info. Because I think about um, strong um, women in your life, and so it sounds like when you were considering what book to write next, you were considering, um, you know, there are interesting um, artists that you you knew from your childhood, and then of course your mother as a writer. Um, and so, you know, I have to say, my dad really wanted me to do this book. Yeah. And um, the first book was for my mother, in the mm-hmm. sense that I wanted to give her voice and put her back at the picture mm-hmm. and so I had these beautiful journals and she had you know had was coming to Alzheimer's and couldn't do it right. and she had wanted to, to write this this memoir of the art world and mm-hmm. um and so it was a way to pull her back in mm-hmm. um and to reach her and to be present with her mm-hmm. and this book was about you know in a way it was a gift to my dad who was leaving and um he, I mean, it's funny because my first book is has so much of my dad in it. Yeah. But this book is is more to him. I mean, it's he had written on Sam and he really cared about Sam. He's buried in the same, you know, grave site. Actually, his ashes. Sam's buried there. Um, and he chose it because he wanted to be near Sam. And so I just wanted to show. I wanted to bring Sam back for him. You know, which is what a biography essentially does, <laughs> bringing somebody back to life. And we were really close to the Rothko family, mm-hmm. and um, and I was close to Mark um, and Mel's son. His name is Christopher Rothko mm-hmm. now, but we called him Topher. Um, and because he was my playmate, even though he was a couple years younger than me. <laughs> um, so I actually, I, I, the, his... Um, Mark's suicide made a tremendous impact on me because I didn't understand it. Um, and I uh, felt really sorry for my friend and it was just a real shattering experience for all the adults in my life. Um, sort of incomprehensible. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the battle that came after and the mess. And then, you know, his mother died too, so it became this very romanticized um, story. But at the bottom of it, at the you know, was this father who who wasn't paying enough attention to his kids. <laughs> so, um, and who to me felt, when I would look at those paintings, and they, those were the dark ones, which were not his last paintings, but which everybody assumes are his last paintings, it felt like he was sort of disappearing into those paintings. But, you know, he was also a really, he was a friend of my dad's, he was an everyday guy, he, you know, what I learned later about him were all sorts of problems that he had with addiction and alcohol, and um, and so there's this conflation of um, alcohol and and um, especially in our country and creativity that that then became important for me to untangle. Right, and you know they, they don't they don't have to go hand in hand, and perhaps one brings the other down. I don't know. So I just want to go back to you. We're talking about this latest book being mm-hmm. an act for your father and. 
um, yeah. and and still life being I, I don't know a, not a tribute to your mother but something you did for for your mother as she was uh, going through Alzheimer's and then I, I read a piece that you wrote which I thought was just beautiful um, called the art of mending and I think writing <laughs> is, is kind yeah. of like that an art of mending but one line from it it was and it actually means so much uh, there was you can maybe tell the story about this broken Picasso plate but yeah. so like my father to lament the object yeah my father loved objects more than anything yeah. Um, yeah I'm still struggling with that surrounded by as I am by a lot of his objects um, mm. so you want me to tell the Picasso story my parents bought when they were first in Europe, my dad got the Fulbright Scholarship, and they were in Europe in 1950. They stayed, it's so strange, they stayed for a short time at the Hotel de Seine, but then stayed oh. somebody, someplace else, and I Sam was at the Hotel, <laughs> yeah. hotel de Seine is in yeah. Paris. Yes. And yeah, a lot of artists stayed there. Mm -hmm. Sam was at the Hotel de Seine mm -hmm. at the same time, but they never met. Mm -hmm. So I always, I just find the crossovers but the near miss is really interesting. But anyway, my parents were there and they bought a Picasso plate, a ceramic plate, you know, that Picasso had made and um, an everyday object, but it was beautiful. Mm. Uh, had a dove on it, white dove on a gray plate. And, um, you know, that my parents had divorced at this point later on in the 60s and I was home alone and um, a plate, just this most delectable object <laughs> on the table. Uh, and I um, bounced it on my head and broke it. And I knew I wasn't supposed to touch that plate. Um, it was like my, you know, it had been this piece that my parents, when they had first come together and were in love, walked together, and it sort of represented this peaceful dove. And, um, and then their life had, they were torn apart. My dad was off getting married and divorced, married and divorced. My mom was being a young musician. Um, and so I broke this this dove, and uh, my mom tried to put it together. Oh, first I tried to scotch tape it. Mm -hmm. My mother wouldn't notice <laughs> And then she actually had it repaired, but it always had this mark of glue on it. Mm -hmm. And um, so my, at the end of her life, when we were going through the boxes, my dad... You know, I had asked my dad to come out and help me go through my mom's stuff. I, she was in a nursing home at that point. She was a flight risk. Um, and uh, we came across this plate. He had actually, it was so sweet. He had come all the way across the country to help me appraise her art collection and go through her things. And, you know, he was in his 80s. And he just took his little suitcase and trudged across the country to help me. And uh, so he hadn't really gone through her things since they were divorced, seen some of these things. I mean, they, they continued to have a, a romantic relationship, but these things represented a life that he had built with her. And he unearthed this plate, and of course I started feeling devastated again about what I had done and what I had destroyed, and my dad picked it up and said, oh, it looks cutest. <laughs> and yeah. it was put back together again in an odd shape. Mm -hmm. um, but he did. He... He lamented the object. He, he attached so much value to, to the object. Um, even at the end of his life, I mean, when we were going through and trying to separate him, we had to move him at 99 out of his house. It was up a big staircase. 
his fifth wife had dementia and he was failing and we had to move him out and he he was literally crying and sobbing as we were packing things and trying to you know because he couldn't take everything with him and he was so attached to it it was so hard for him And so yes, I, I guess I felt a lot in my childhood that the objects and the art was more important than the people. The people were dispensable, but the objects weren't. Is and maybe that comes, you know, I've been wondering, does that come out of somebody who survived, you know, Nazi Germany yeah. and had lost everything? And, and uh, you know, maybe that's where it comes from. Sure. They love just to not just share memories or just to continue yeah, to collaborate was, on things. Was, people were very, he had hit a way of becoming some, a person's best friend mm -hmm. in a short period of time. I mean, William Agee, who wrote about him, um, Agee, who wrote about him, said that everybody who, who, who he talked to said, I, I know Sam the best. I know Sam <laughs> the best. And, you know, he had a way of. Everybody thought they were the closest to him. My father did. I'm sure my father wasn't. But, um, but he had this way of connecting to people. He had these piercing blue eyes. And um, Robert Chapazian, who worked for him, who was the executive director of Lapis Press when it started, said, you know, when he met Sam, he felt like Sam looked right through him in a very accepting, um, understanding way and just knew him instantly. And that kind of personality trait is really hard to capture on the page. Right. You know, when someone... So, you, of course, you imagine what it would be like for him to read his life through your eyes. Like, do you imagine that? You know, I have, have not done that. You haven't? I, mean, I actually... I, I imagine what his kids said. Now, <laughs> I imagine how his kids are going to feel for sure yeah. um, and how other readers but I was I don't think I'm you know we have imaginary readers uh -huh. right who we who we who we write for uh -huh. Sam is not who I'm writing for I, sure. I'm probably writing if I have a person I'm writing this story for it's my father right. yeah um, yeah Sam would have wanted people to look at the, his art that's what he would want. And so in this, this sense, helps. if it can make more people look at his painting, that's great. Want to get involved in exhibitions or interviews? Email us at team at creativeprocess.info. Thank you for listening.